You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we are typically, typically we remain in a state of discontent. We are typically in the state of discontent. Uh, you, you just think about that, right? Uh, the weather, it's either too hot or too cold. It's too wet or it's too dry. Uh, it's never just right. We're always discontent. We're never content with what the Lord provides for us. Uh, if we have long hair, we want short hair. If we have straight hair, we want curly hair. If we have curly hair, we want straight hair, right? Uh, we're never content with what God has given us. That's just the typical uh, human nature. We have a tendency to never be content with what we have. But you know what? God calls us to contentment. He calls us as Christians to contentment. As a child of God, you are not supposed to get caught up in discontentment. Rather, you're to trust in the sovereignty of God and live life as you were called. Live life as you were called. And that's the, the point of our message today. We are called to live life as God has called us to live it. Uh, that is that this, we are to, to live this life with contentment. We are to be content. We're to be content with uh, where, where we are in life, whatever station of life God has brought us to. We're to be content. Today in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, uh, this is the message that is given to us by the Apostle Paul. In this paragraph, Paul repeats this command of commitment, contentment excuse me, three times. Look, if you will, briefly at verse 17. Only let each per person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Verse 20. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Verse 24. So, brothers and that's brothers or sister and sisters. And whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. And so God calls us to contentment, to live the life in which we are called to live. So today, as we look at this, this paragraph here, we're gonna see three conditions in which we should be content. Three conditions in which we should be content. That is three stations of life that we should always be content in. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. It's good to say that. Hear the word of the Lord. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. 
But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who, has, who, who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become a bondservant of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition in uh, each was called, there let him remain with God. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. As we begin to look at this passage, we need to recognize that Paul states this. He, he gives this little uh, paragraph here. Uh, in the midst of his instruction on marriage, marriage and singleness, right? On marriage and singleness. This is just kind of right in the middle of all of it. If you've been following along with us online, you, you know that we've already talked about what Paul has said to the married, those who are, are married to believers, Christians who are married together. He said, you shouldn't seek to divorce. They were struggling with that, right? So they said, well, maybe we should divorce so we can just devote ourselves to Christ, to be married to Christ, right? And Paul says, no, 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 you, you need to value marriage and you need to stay married. Don't divorce. Divorce is not a good thing. God is not pleased with the door. So, so always value marriage above everything else and always try to pers persevere in marriage, always try to preserve marriage. And then he said to the unbeliever or to the believers who are married to unbelievers, who, who are Christians who are married to non-Christians. And, and there's this idea, well, well, maybe they, they might defile me, right? They're, they're not a believer, so they might defile me. And Paul says, no, 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 marriage is valuable. And so if the unbeliever is willing to stay with you, then you stay, you work it out. You do whatever you can to preserve the marriage. You need to be content in marriage. And that's what he is, he's getting at here. As we think about the, the, the context of this little passage on contentment, we need to recognize that the first place, the first area of life in which we must be content, you must be content with your marital status. You must be content with your marital status. That's one of the points that Paul is getting across here. If you're married, be content in marriage. Be content in your marriage and, and work at your marriage and, and try to make your marriage work. So for those Christians who, who want to divorce, he says, no, no, stay, stay married. Be content in your marriage. Work it out. Work it out. Preserve the marriage bond. And we, we understand this even in our day, don't we? Because there comes times in people's lives where they become discontent in marriage. People oftentimes become discontented in marriage. Well, he's not the gentleman that he used to be, right? Oh, she doesn't fix herself up like she always used to. When we're in, in that dating phase, we're, we're kind of infatuated with one another. And it's all lovely and good and great and, and our significant other can do no wrong and they're just wonderful and it's all, and all great. We're, we're in the honeymoon phase, right? That's the honeymoon phase. And it lasts for about six months after you, you tie the knot. 
and, and then you realize, oh, I married him. <laughs> you wake up in that, that morning, that first morning after the honeymoon night, you wake up that next morning and, and her hair's not just fixed perfectly. It's all, all this way and that way. And his is the same way. And he's got morning breath and all of these things. And you're like, wait a minute. This isn't the fellow I married. This isn't the gal I got married to. Why doesn't he open the door for me anymore? Why, why is all of these things? And the fat, infatuation rubs off. It kind of wears away. And now reality strikes. And we kind of fantasize about what marriage should be. And if we could just get to that fantasized relationship, man, everything would be great. And then people's eyes begin to wonder. Oh, I'm not infatuated with her anymore, but maybe her. There's a young lady at work who... Who's enticing and and the flirtation begins and and there's the temptation to to go after that because the infatuation is new it's exciting or, or maybe this new guy at work he's paying attention to you and and you think oh, well, well that that might be it that that might be what I'm looking for but just remember your spouse was that person before before the infatuation rubbed off. That spouse, that man you, you married uh, before he, he became less of a gentleman, all right, before the infatuation rubbed off, he was the man of your dreams. And you just, you just knew you had to spend the rest of your life with him. But when life gets real, we become discontent. Well, maybe there's something better out there. And the eye begins to wonder. And Paul says, dear Christian, that's not you. Don't do that. Don't do that. God has called you into this marriage. If you're married to that person, that's who God wants you to be with. He brought this together. He sovereignly orchestrated this thing. And you are in this, this relationship. There's not something better out there. You need to focus on the, the marriage you're in. You need to work at it. Marriage is hard work. It's hard work. It takes work to keep the, the romantic flames afire, right? We got to work at it. We got to invest in one another. We got to show love for one another and respect for one another. We got to work at it. And so Paul says, be content in your marital relationship. Be content with, with your spouse. Don't go chasing someone else. Be content. God has called you to that relationship. He is sovereign over all things. Trust him. Work on the relationship. Be content in your marriage. But also, and we're going to get into this more next week because Paul covers a little bit about singleness. Paul was single at this point in his time of his life. He might have been married before, probably was married before. But at this point in his life, um, his wife probably has passed away and he is single. And he's, talking, he's going to talk about singlehood next week. But if you're, you're single, you need to be content in your singleness. If you're single, you need to be content in your singleness. Uh, whatever brought that about, whether it is you're just you, you're young and you haven't married yet, or if you've been widowed and, and you're just not married, whatever the case, if you're single, Paul says be content in your singleness. God's not estranged to that. He, he, it, it didn't catch, catch him off guard that you're single. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He, he knows what you desire in life. 
Man, I see some singles, and, and I understand. I'm not called to singleness. I don't have the gift of singleness whatsoever. I like being married, right? I like having my wife there. Uh, she's my better half, and I'll say it, right? Uh, I, I'm not called to singleness, and so I understand wanting to, to be with someone. But, you know, I see some people, they're in such a rush to get married. Like the, time, the, the clock is ticking or, or whatever, and I just need to get married. And they're just looking from this guy to that guy, and they're trying to find this perfect guy, and, and, and they're willing to almost make something work, right? This guy is not a godly Christian man, but hey, he's available. So let me just hook up with this fella because he's available. Oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. Be content with where you are. When God is ready for you to be married, he will point out, he will bring to you the perfect mate for you. Be content with where you are. Be content with your singleness if you're single. Don't rush into it. Pray to God. Lord, if you, you feel you know, burdened about it, you want to be married, well, pray to God. Lord, I want to be married. Can you send me the, the guy for me? Can you send me the gal for me? Uh, can you just lead me to them? And be content where you are. He will, he will bring you to them in time. And maybe he's not finished preparing them for marriage yet. Maybe that's why it's taken a little bit longer than, than you had hoped. Maybe God is still working on them. Or maybe God is still working on you. And there's some things in your life that you need to work out before you tie the knot. Or maybe it's just a timing issue. He's going to give that, he's going to reveal that person to you next year. They're, they're not here yet. They need to move here or, or you need to move there. Whatever the case may be, trust God. That's what we're called to do as Christians always, to, to trust God. Whatever condition we are in, he has called us to that condition, at least for a season in our life. And we need to be content. So be content in your marital status. Second, and this gets into our paragraph more, uh, second of all, we must be content with our ethnic status, with our ethnic status. And that's really the focus of, of this first little part of the portion of the text here. Paul here talks to those who are Jews and those who are Gentiles. Look at the first few verses there. First of all, verses uh, 18 through 19, 18 and 19. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commands of God. Now, what's taking place here? This is kind of strange to us. Uh, we're thinking, what's all this about circumcision, uncircumcision? Well, there were those Jews in the day who they were circumcised, right? They were born Jews, and so their parents circumcised them on the eighth day, and they were circumcised. But uh, here's a fun fact. Uh, in first century, in the Grecian, the Roman, Greek, Hellenized you know, world then, well, when you went to the gymnasium, you exercised in the nude. They didn't have Under Armour. And so you didn't put on your yoga shorts or whatever. Uh, when you went to the, the gymnasium, you exercised in the nude. That's the way they did it. 
Plus, you didn't have, most people didn't have a bathtub at home. There wasn't, there wasn't a shower. And, and so you had, if you lived in a big city, there was a bathhouse and, and you went down to the bathhouse to take a bath. Or if you lived in a more rural area, well, you went down to the creek where everybody else went to bathe and, and you bathed there. And so for a Jew who was going out in public and, and you know, having to get naked and show himself, now they did have se- segregated men over here, women over there, that sort of thing. But uh, for if you were a man and you went out to the gymnasium and you undressed to exercise, well, then you have these Greeks and these Roman fellows out there and they're looking at you and they considered circumcision to be mutilation. And so they might be making fun of you. They're probably talking, uh, talking about you behind your back. And so there were some Jews who actually desired to seek uncircumcision, to have that thing reversed so that they would have an appearance, a, right, a physical appearance that was pleasing to the culture around them. And the same instance, as some of these Gentiles are becoming converted, they're converting to Christ, they have some of these folks called Judaizers who are saying, well, it's not really complete until you become a Jew, right? You can believe in Jesus, but salvation is about being a Jew too. So you need to be circumcised on top of your faith in Jesus. We talked about that when we went through the book of Galatians. Uh, But uh, Paul, so you have these Gentiles, they're seeking circumcision. The Jews are seeking uncircumcision to be uncircumcised and the Gentiles are seeking to be circumcised and it's all about appearances. That's really what it's about here. It's a whole lot about appearances, that physical appearance. There's an ethnic situation going on here in Paul's day. But it, when we get to the heart of it, it's, it's a lot about appearances. And so when we take this, this whole thing over into our culture, we can almost focus more on the ethnic situation. Instead of the ethnic situation, we, we really could focus on the physical appearance. Because that's where, really where it hits home with us. We're always trying to appear, to, to put on the appearance of everyone else. Appearances is big. It's big in our time, isn't it? In our culture, it's always a big thing. You always got to be in style. You, you always got to look like everyone else around you. That's why our teenage girls are starving themselves to death to, to make a certain appearance, to get a certain look that our culture says is the right look. But what Paul says is that you need to be content with your physical appearance. You need to be content with who you are. God has created you to be a certain person with a certain appearance. Now I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, right? It's good to exercise, it's good to diet and try to take care of your physical body. That's a good thing. But when you go overboard and you begin to to focus on the appearance, I just need to appear pleasing to the world around me, then we got a problem. Then you're not content with the way God has called you and who God has called you to be. It's in our appearance. We can also say it's in our attitudes, right? Like God has called us to be certain people. 
I can remember growing up as a kid, I was always the shy guy. Right? I was the one who, who hung out behind mama's legs. I didn't want anybody to see me. I, I wouldn't ever have dared to, to set foot on the stage at church. That was just a no-no. I wasn't going to get up there. I was scared to death to be out in front of people. I was very reserved. Even coming up into high school, I was still very reserved. I, I didn't get out there. I, I wasn't very charismatic, if you will. Uh, I'm still not very charismatic. This, this, where I'm up here today, this is as charismatic as it gets for me. And, and I can remember growing up, I had friends who were very charismatic and, and they were just outgoing and people liked them. I mean, they were popular because of their attitude, their, their disposition, their personality. They were just a likable guys. And part of me is like, man, I wish I could be more like him. I wish I could be like him. But you know what, as I've grown older, as I've gotten uh, to the place where God has called me and I look back on that, God has, all of that was for a purpose. He created me for a purpose. He made me more reserved for a purpose. He had a place for me. He, he had a purpose for my life. And, and that plays into that purpose. So don't be discontent with who you are. Be content in your own skin. Because you are who God wants you to be. Now, we need to make sure that we understand that fully. Uh, we, because there are those who say, well, God has created me to be a homosexual. Or God has created me to be an adulterer. Or God has created me to do this sin or that sin. I just can't help it. It's in my nature. Yeah, it is in your nature. That's a sin nature. And God, Jesus Christ, went to the cross to overcome that sin nature. So there is the sense in which we must crucify the flesh, crucify sinful desires. We are to change those desires. But when it comes to personality, when it comes to appearance, we should be content with who God has created us to be. He has created you for a purpose. I just think about Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was the king of pop, right? He had everything going for him, but he was never content in his own skin. He was always trying to change himself. He had all of these surgeries to, to change his appearance. He, he bleached his skin to change his appearance. Oh, dear Christian, we're not called to such measures. God calls us to be content with who we are. Now, ladies, I'm not telling you don't color your hair. That's not, that's not my business. That's not my business. But we need to be content with who we are. God has created you to be who you are. Personality, looks, and all. So be content with who you are. Be content with your ethnicity. Be content with your personal appearance. Live life as you were called to live. Be content with who you were created to be. Don't try to be someone else. Only be who God has created you to be. In that same respect, we shouldn't expect others to change their looks, their appearances, their culture, their ethnicity. We're not, we're not to, to try to change other people's to be like us. This was a big flaw of of uh, excuse me, international missions a few years back. International missions, especially when they first began to, to do the international missions, 
they would go to these different cultures and different countries and they would go in to evangelize uh, the heathen, as they often called them back then. They would go in to evangelize these nations, but they didn't just take the gospel. Uh, they tried to change their ethnicity. They tried to change their culture. They tried to westerner, westernize them. They tried to take the, our cultural standards and, and put them on these other ethnicities, these other cultures. We can't do that. Those people are called to be who they're called to be too. We just need to take them the gospel. Praise God, the International Mission Board and other mission agencies have seen the flaw in that whole uh, type of, of strategy and they've changed that. Now they just take the gospel. This is a gospel. Now let's bring it to your culture and, and mold your culture around the gospel. You got to be who God's called you to be. And we need to expect other, other people of other ethnicities, other cultures to be who God has called them to be as well. So be content in your ethnicity, be content in your physical appearance. So be content in your marital status, your ethnic, ethnic status, and third, be content in your social status. Be content in your social status. Look as Paul carries on there, verse 21 through 22. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom... Avail yourself of the opportunity for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was freed, uh, free when called is a bondservant of Christ. So as we, we look here, Paul kind of shifts from the circumcision, the ethnic issue down to now a social issue. In the Roman Empire, in Paul's age, first century Roman Empire, there's estimates, there's estimates that say that the, probably 50% of the population were slaves. They were slaves. Uh, much less than that were actually citizens. Uh, so there, was, there, there, were, there were slaves and then there were the free person, the free people. And this was a, a social issue. If you were a free man, a free woman, you had a higher status in society than if you were a slave. Now, we can't get into all the details about slavery. It was much different in, in the first century than it was in, say, uh, American, Americanized slavery back in the day. It's very different from that. But it was still slavery. And Paul doesn't try to attack that social situation, but he does say if you can get out of, out of slavery, hey, do it, right? Gain your freedom. If you can do that, gain your freedom. But if not, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There were some Christians who were slaves. They technically were owned by someone else, so their master could tell them where to go and what to do and, and this sort of thing. And Paul says, don't concern yourself with that. Don't worry about that. They were thinking about their life and, and, and look, I'm, I'm in this low status here. I, I'm bottom rung. I have no respect. But Paul says, if you can change that, change it. But if not, 
Don't concern yourself with it. Don't beat yourself up, up over it. Don't worry about it. In the same respect, if you're a free man, don't concern yourself with that either. Stay free. Be content in your freedom. Now you say, well, wouldn't the free man normally be content in his freedom? Actually, in the first century, there were cases where free people would sell themselves into slavery. That's why 50% of the population were slaves. They couldn't really make it. Maybe they didn't have much on their own. They couldn't really make it on their own. But if they sold themselves into slavery, if they became a slave of someone, then they might be his manager. And they might be in charge of a lot of funds. And their, their master is going to take care of them and, and treat them right and give them a, a house to live in and, and food to eat and, and an income. And, and so, yeah, sometimes the freed person would sell themselves into slavery willingly because that was a better life for them financially. That was a better life for them. Paul says, don't do that. Be content in the life you were called to be, to be in. If God called you as a free man, as a free person, stay free. Keep your freedom. Stay there. You have better service. You have a better opportunity to serve God as a free person than as a slave. So, so stay free. If you're a slave and there's nothing you can do about it, well, don't beat yourself up over that. Be content. You need to be content in your social status. Now, as we look at that and think about you know, how do we bring that over in our day? Because we're not slaves. There's no slavery here in the U U.S. Uh, how do we look at that? But, well, we do have social, social strata, right? We, we have a, a social system around us. And, and there's those who are kind of lower in, in our social, in the social scene. And, and there's those who are higher in the social scene, scene. There are people who are born into poverty and there are people who are born in, into wealth. And poverty and wealth has a lot to do often with our position in society. That's just the way our society works, like it or not. That's just the way it is. And Paul says you need to be content in your social status, wherever you are. Now, he would say here, if you're in poverty and you can get yourself out of poverty, do that. Work hard. Right? Go get an education. Go find a trade. Go find a good paying job. If you're in a low paying job, uh, work to get somewhere else. But, but take time to do that. But be content with where you are. Be content. Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't, don't uh, uh, get all in a fuss because, oh, I'm down here and I'm so depressed. I'm, I need to be up there. Paul says, don't worry about it. Yeah, work towards the better. Work to better yourself. Work to improve your situation, sure. But if God wants you to be there, he'll, a little hard work in his grace will take you there. But don't beat yourself up over it. Don't worry about it. Don't concern yourself with your social position. At the same respect, if God has, has brought you in and, and you are born into wealth, then don't try to come down to poverty to, to live and, and, 
have this kind of fake humility about yourself. Don't boast in it. Don't be arrogant about it. But God has blessed you with wealth to, and to glorify his kingdom. Use your wealth to, to fund missions and evangelists and, and all of that. Use your, your position for the glory of God and his kingdom. But wherever you are on the social spectrum, give glory to God and be content where you are. Be content where you are. Be content with whatever social position you may be called to. Live life as you are called. Be content in your social status. If the Lord has given you the opportunity, to, gives you the opportunity to change your status, to increase your income, to better your situation, by all means, take that. Uh, take it as long as you don't turn uh, away from him and become a slave to something else. And that's a, an important point to bring out here because Paul says there, don't become a slave to anyone. Don't become a slave to anyone. You're down here. And you're looking, I want to work myself up. I want, to, I want to be at that position. And boy, we see this today, don't we? People go into debt. They become a slave to the bank. They become a slave to the credit card agencies. They become a slave to debtors. They become a slave to men to try to work themselves up on the social, uh, social ladder to buy their way into it. And they just become a slave to someone else. Don't become a slave to anyone in order to get higher up on the social ladder. Rather, be content where God has called you. Work hard. Strive to improve your situation. But be content. Don't become a slave to any person or any institution. Be content in your social, social situation. Live life as you were called to live. God is sovereign over your life. He is, he is sovereign over your life. He created you. He gave you the life that you are living. You were born to the parents you were born to by purpose, by divine purpose. Be content with who you are, because that's who God created you to be. Jesus Christ came to this world. He went to Calvary's cross to die for your sins and to give you a new life in him. And that is the key to contentment. That is the true key to contentment. The key to contentment is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 23 and 24. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservant of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. You were bought with a price. Jesus Christ went on Calvary's cross and he paid the price for you. He paid the price for you. You are his he loves you regardless of what the world thinks of you. Christ loves you. Christ loves you. Hear me. Hear me. No matter what the world thinks of you, 
No matter what those mean girls at school think of you. No matter what those bullies think of you. No matter what that guy at work thinks of you. No matter what the rest of the world around us thinks of you. You were bought with the precious price of the blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to Him. He loves you. You don't need the love of the world. You have the love of God Almighty. Rest in His love. Be content with the life in which God has called you to live. Now, if you're here today or maybe you're watching on TV, whatever the case, maybe it is that you don't know Jesus. You never trusted in him. You've never given your life to Christ. I want you to know that he died for you. He died for your sins. You are valuable in his sight. So trust in him today. And he will give you the power of contentment in your life. Will you trust him today? Will you surrender your life to him? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this word that you have given us, Lord. How often and easy it is for us to, to be so concerned with what the world thinks of us. But Lord, all we really need to know is that you love us. You love us that, so much that you died for us to bring us into your kingdom. You created us and you redeemed us, Lord, and we praise you. Lord, let us not find our value in, in social structures or ethnicity or anything else, Lord. But Lord, help us to always find our value in you and who you created us to be. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.